0: Please uh, turn with me this morning to Luke's Gospel, chapter 15, and verse 17. And when he, the prodigal son, came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. Well, We come uh, in a minute, friends, to this uh, scripture, this passage. But uh, just before that, we're going to, I just want to remind you of what we've been studying and uh, begun studying these last couple of weeks or so. And that is the Order of uh, Salvation the order of salvation. And today, uh, we are thinking of the stage of conversion, the stage of repenting and believing in Christ, repentance and faith. Well, we've said before, and it do no harm to say it again, uh, that uh, in this whole act of turning to God, it's not just a one-off thing that happens, uh, it's a process, even if that conversion takes place within an hour of a person hearing the gospel, well, God works very quickly sometimes, and that person can very quickly come through uh, to faith and true belief and true repentance. But usually there's a process that takes a little bit longer than an hour, and maybe it might be a few days or a few weeks or a few months even. Hopefully it won't be years before a person comes through. But uh, this is something that God is doing in a person. They've heard the word and it's made no sense to them and it's gone over their heads. But then God begins to work in that person. And God regenerates the soul. And then suddenly the person is uh, paying more attention. Suddenly the person becomes more concerned. He's not yet a believer. She's not yet a Christian. She's on her way to becoming one but she's not consciously there yet. And uh, she's, uh, she's been regenerated, but, but she doesn't know. But God is working in her heart, and God is working in such a powerful way in that regeneration. What an m- amazing and powerful creative work of God it is that he plants within a man and a woman new life, a new principle, a governing principle a new disposition now towards god before towards the world now towards the lord and a, a, a bent a will uh, that is inclined uh, towards him and but as before he's coming to that conscious knowledge that uh, he is truly saved god is humbling that person God is working in that person to even cause them to feel in a deeper way their spiritual need so that they want to cry out to Him. It gives them a reason for crying out to Him because they become more and more aware as we'll see in a minute why they need Christ. Not just because He will answer all their problems as sometimes we are told but something deeper than that and something more serious uh, than than just that. So it's humbling. He begins to see probably something of his lost condition, that there is a great gulf between God and himself, and he's unhappy about that. And he wants to remedy that. He doesn't want there to be a great gulf. He's not saved yet. He's he's, he's not consciously saved yet, but he's coming that way. It's only uh, after... This is the things that lead him... And to uh, repentance and then uh, to faith, to a turning away from his sin and a trust in Christ. And it's only after a person has done that, only after a person has repented consciously before God and turned to him in trust and faith, it is only then they, be, they become consciously aware, I am a Christian, I am saved. Well, uh, God has blessed me. This is what happens, friends. Well, we've mentioned the stages before. I'll just mention them uh, quickly. We've, it, be, it began, or we well, began really in eternity past, but that is something God did. We were, not, we were not there as such, but we're looking at what the Spirit of God does in us uh, in time. So it begins for us in time with that effectual call, and I won't go through it. Uh, then we looked last week at regeneration. And then the next stage, that leads to conversion, which we're looking at today as expressed in f- f- uh, repentance and faith. And then, God willing, we shall look at justification and adoption, sanctification, and finally, glorification. So much, isn't it? So wonderful. What would God do, taking such an interest in us to do all these amazing and wonderful things? Who are we? As, uh, we're just worms, really. Really, we are so small. We are just nothing in comparison to Him. Oh, what a great and mighty God that He would do such uh, tremendous things uh, for us if we come, only come to Him and trust in Christ. But before uh, we come to uh, repentance and faith, let me just say a little bit more about that interim period that period between God regenerating a soul and a person coming to conscious knowledge that He or she is a Christian. Yeah, we could call it like a, spiritual, a period of spiritual gestation. Just like you have in a normal birth, you have conception, and you have the actual birth, and in between you have that period of gest- gestation. Usually uh, nine months, not always, but usually. So also there is a, a spiritual just, uh, time, a spiritual period in between. And uh, as I said, it could be an hour or it could be longer. There's no fixed period. But during this period, God is working. God is uh, bringing the soul, launching the soul. Regeneration has launched that soul into a time of spiritual crisis. He hasn't consciously found the Lord, but God is working uh, within him. He's a different person now. Before, he didn't care about uh, spiritual things. He didn't care about his treatment about God but now things are changed. In this interim period uh, this rebellious person who didn't want to obey God's commandments and didn't want to yield his life over to him is now being humbled and he's been brought uh, to see his need of Christ. He's no longer a fighter against God. He's become a seeker. God, as we said last week, uh, before uh, initially, it is God who is seeking us. It is God who is seeking the man and calling after him repeatedly, as it were, chasing after him and uh, surrounding him with messages to call him to himself. But the man doesn't want to hear. But then, when this during this time after God has worked in the person that re, in that regenerating way, suddenly the tables are turned, and the God, as it were, hides himself. And now the man has become a seeker. And he begins to seek after the Lord. And begins to want the Lord. And he wants to find Him. And he wants to be right with Him. Things have changed. And this is uh, how he is. Now he begins uh, to listen. Whereas before, he doesn't really care about what he heard from the pulpit. He's conscious of his spiritual need. He's conscious that within him there is... A vacuum within and all these things he, he's learning of as he hears the preaching of the word or perhaps he's reading some good Christian literature or some friends, Christian friends are witnessing to him and explaining things, things to him and he's listening with both ears as they speak these things spiritual things now in this interim period have already become a reality to this person before they were a pie in the sky. Now suddenly, they become realities uh, to him. Heaven becomes a real place to him. And he really wants to go there. It's not just a figment of his imagination anymore. He's aware of it. He's heard of it. He's sure about it. He desires to be found in that place. Hell is no longer a joke to him. He's no longer making fun of that place and what's going to happen there, as he he did before. Now he's afraid to go there. Now he's afraid that that will be his final destination. Now he's desperate to escape that final judgment. And he treats it very seriously. There's a a seriousness that comes into him now, that wasn't there before. What's wrong with you, man? Maybe his unchristian friends will say, "Why Why? What's happened to you? You look so depressed. Maybe. Why are you becoming so serious? Take it easy, they all say to him. But he's concerned. His everlasting soul is in the balance. And he needs to be right with God. And he can't do anything, he can't rest and he can't be easy until he finds uh, the Lord. He feels that to some degree that he is lost and separated from his maker, his creator, and he. He hates. He uh, dislikes to be in such a position. He's not at peace with him. He feels perhaps even God is somewhat angry with me because of my sins. And he wants to remedy that situation. And he feels terribly uneasy until he does. But not only is he awakened in this way to see spiritual realities, he's also uh, a conviction comes into him. A conviction, yes, that God is good. God is true, God is real, God is wonderful, God is great, God is merciful. He becomes more convinced of these things. And he becomes more convinced of his sin. No more excuses now for his sins. He no longer says, oh, I'm a good person, I'm a wonderful person, God will accept me. That, he doesn't say that anymore. He, now he admits that he's a sinner. Now he admits that uh, he has offended God. And he probably says to you, well, you don't know the half of what I've done. He, he begins to realize that he is guilty. That he, and from the confession of his mouth, well, he is a vile and wretched person. We would never say that naturally about ourselves. But when God begins to work in us, this is the conclusion we come to. It doesn't have to be friends in, a, in an excessive and deep way, but there must be some measure of this conviction about us. We know that we are not great. We know that we are sinners. We know God is good. We know uh, and are convinced of Him. We, uh, it goes, uh, it's a conviction that goes beyond the outward sins to the inner sins. And we begin to realize it's not just not doing this and not doing that, but it's my inner, the sins of my heart. Oh, I'm a proud person. I'm a liar. I'm a hypocrite. I'm under the power of lust. I'm a rebel at heart, really. I see now, I've lived as a rebel before God. One sees these things in a measure before uh, one comes through. Well, this is what's happening, friends, uh, in this interim period. And uh, we have to say as well, during this time, the Word of God plays a very important role. And the Word of God is that primary instrument that God is using to help the, the seeker uh, to uh, see these things, to become aware of these things. And especially we, as uh, who are gospel preachers, well, we have the privilege of uh, using, uh, of you uh, speaking the word at that time and the privilege of being instrumental in helping the seeker to see these things and in the following stage to direct them to Christ. So the word plays a, 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 an important part uh, here. Friends, may I say, this is. This is why we are not fans of the sinner's prayer. You know the sinner's prayer. You know, you just say, a, somebody says, you say a prayer and you follow them in the, in the prayer. And then after that they usually declare, oh, now you are a Christian. But why are we not big fans of that? We're not fans at all. <laughs> well, we're not fans, friends, because uh, it doesn't give the Spirit of God really time to work in, in a person. He doesn't really give the Spirit of God time to deal with a person. Uh, if a person just heard the gospel and, and then you tell them, okay, now say the sinner's prayer. Well, are they really convicted of their sins? They may say that they are sinners. But maybe they're just doing it for, to please you, to get rid of you. It happens. Maybe they're just saying it for some reason. God may use it, the sinner's prayer. Sometimes He has used it. But I'm sure that person has been prepared beforehand. But oftentimes uh, oftentimes uh, not. Uh, people uh, give no time. So there's no genuine work of the Spirit of God. So that person now, he said the prayer, and uh, then is told, that now you're a Christian, and then he becomes a church member. But he's not really truly converted. And that's going to only spell trouble for the church. Because his heart is still in the world. He's not really in Christ. Oh friends, it's so important—true uh, uh, conversion. But let's move on uh, to this stage we're talking about today uh, of repentance and faith. That's what conversion is. Another vital stage. Another one in which—and uh, one in this one in which we are consciously playing a part. We don't play a part in regeneration; uh, that is God's work entirely. But in this work of repenting and believing, well, we have to play a part. It's me who has to repent. It's me who has to express faith in Christ. God doesn't do it for me. I must do it. Well, uh, regeneration has brought me uh, to this point. God has so worked in my heart that I I now am willing to turn to him. I'm not being pushed into a, a corner. I'm not being coerced. Nobody is twisting my arm and saying, you must be a Christian, you must repent, you must believe. No, God has so worked in, our heart, in my heart that I, I want to follow him. I'm willing to do these things. I want to repent. I, I'm done with sin. It's my choice to be done with sin. It's my choice to believe in Christ and to trust in him. It's a wonderful way in which God works that there's no coercion there. But it is, he draws us uh, to himself by his grace. Listen to the words of Christ, friends. Matthew 18, verse 3, Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's an absolute necessity to be converted. Ezekiel 33, verse 11, As I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked Turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. For why will ye die, O house of Israel? That's it, friends. That's conversion. Turning from sin, turning uh, to the Lord. Turning from his way. The wicked turn from his way and live by looking, turning to God and living for him. Turn ye, turn ye, is the words of God from your evil ways. And then you could go to the New Testament and the preaching of Paul. What was Paul preaching when he went to a new place? What thing did he emphasize? What was the crux of his preaching? What was the central theme of his, the Apostle Paul wherever he went? But well, he tells us in Acts chapter 20 and verse 21 in, when he is speaking to the, the, the elders from Ephesus and he said, I testify both to the Jews and also to the Gentiles, repentance toward, toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it is. That was the central uh, heart of his message. He called on people to turn uh, from their sin and to trust in the Saviour, repentance and faith. Can you see it, friends? Perversion and repentance is not just saying, I'm sorry. He's not just saying, I'm sorry, Lord, I won't do it again. Repentance is a turning uh, from uh, sin. It's, conversion is not just, as people sometimes say, turning over a new leaf. You know, here is a man, he's been living an immoral life. Perhaps he's been uh, unfaithful to his wife on a number of occasions. He's been a terror in the home. Well, the, the salary that he gets from his job, well, he squanders it uh, every month. But there may come a point in his life where he begins to think, What a, what a terrible person I've been. What a fool I've been. And uh, he begins to see how badly he's treated his wife and his family and how he squandered everything. And uh, he determines in his own mind, I'm going to change my ways. I'm not going to be like that anymore. I'm going to be a different person. He tells his wife, from now on, I'm going to be committed to you. I'm going to be loyal to you. I'll never uh, uh, be unfaithful to you. And he stops, perhaps, his drinking, and he, he subdues his anger to a degree. And everyone marvels and says, oh, what a wonderful change has come across this man. Oh, and he's even going to church now. Oh, he must be a believer. He must be a new creature. Look at him. He's doing all these things now. Well, it looks like it, isn't it? He's, but that's only one side. That's only what he's not doing anymore, really. Has he turned to God? He hasn't turned to God. He hasn't turned uh, to to Christ and asked the Lord, "Save me." He's only turned away from things. Or you could put it on the on the other hand, a person who may profess to be a believer and may go to church regularly may read their bible may pray but they're still following the lord the world they're still uh, following their own lust their own lust still control them yeah they're doing all the christian things now but in their heart they are still uh, indulging in their lusts and their sins just like they've always done there's never been a change there's never been a turning from sin both must go together friends repentance from sin and turning to Christ. Well, let's just look very briefly at these two things. Uh, repentance first. Some scriptures for you. Christ again. What was Christ's first sermon? What is the theme of his first sermon that he ever preached? Mark chapter 1, verse 20. Repent ye and believe the gospel. That was the heart of his first sermon. What is Peter's first sermon on the day of Pentecost? Same theme, repent, Acts 2, verse 38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Again, Paul's preaching in Acts 17, uh, he said, God command, commandeth all men everywhere to repent. That's what uh, uh, repentance was at the heart of, uh, of preaching in the early church. Dear friends, there is no salvation without repentance. Some people today will think, will preach like that. You just need to believe in Christ. They won't even mention the word repentance because they're afraid that people will be turned away. But this is gospel preaching. Gospel preaching is not gospel preaching if you omit the call to repentance. But what does it mean, actually, to repent? Well, the word itself means, uh, repent means to think again, to reconsider, uh, to think uh, differently. Uh, But when we look at how it's used uh, in the Bible, because we want not just a, a normal definition for it, we want to see how the Bible defines it. want to see how it's used theologically, how it's used in scripture, and then we get a right and proper understanding of the word. So yes, it retains the idea of thinking again and of thinking differently, but when you look at it biblically, it also includes this idea of regret and sorrow comes into it. This element of, I've grieved uh, God, I've offended God, and another element is that turning away from sin. So all these elements really should be, is in true godly sorrow. Or you read in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, about Paul talks about the two kinds of sorrow, godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. Godly sorrow has these elements in it. The, the thinking again, the reconsidering, uh, the, the feeling of grief that one has offended God and the turning from sin there's a worldly sorrow which maybe just regrets what's done never turns from it and that leads to death paul says well this repentance it involves friends the whole person uh, our minds our emotions and our will uh, all come into play with our minds uh, we begin to think differently about god than we did before we think differently in a new way about jesus christ we think differently about ourselves and about our sins. And then we feel differently about these things. We feel differently about the way that we live. We, there comes a dissatisfaction into the person who is repenting. He's dissatisfied with, our, with himself. He, said he regrets in his heart. He feels terrible. He feels bad that he has been such a rebel against a God who has been so good, that he has lived such a selfish life for himself. He's thinking like this. But then also he, he turns away and he says, goodbye, goodbye to my old life. A repentant person is not going to hold on to those things. Goodbye to those idols that I bowed down to before. Goodbye to the selfish living that I, 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 I had. Now I yield my life to Christ. Now I take Christ, and this is also so important, now I take Christ to be my Lord. Now he is the, the ruler, the governor, of my life. But well, we see these elements, friends, in Luke 15 and verse 17. The prodigal son, here we read, firstly, he came to himself. That's it. He begins to think differently. You remember how he'd gone off into a far country, uh, as far away from his father as he could, having got the inheritance that was his due from the father, and he wasted it in wine, women, and song. And now he is there uh, feeding the pigs, the swine, and in the midst of all these things, he, he comes to himself, we read. He awoke. He realized uh, his, his, the state uh, that he was in. And he begins to think in a different way. He begins to think what a fool he has been to leave his father's house because God was so, uh, the, the father was so uh, very good to him. He begins to think differently about himself. And he says, I'm not worthy to be called thy son. He no longer uh, walks and and talks in a proud way. He's got a different view about himself. He can feel the regret in his words. He says, I'm going to go uh, to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And I'm no more worthy to be called thy son Make me as one of thy hired servants. I'm not worthy, Lord. You can feel it, not it? The sense of true remorse uh, in, his, uh, in his words. He's not saying, I just made an unwise decision. He's not saying, I just got it wrong. He says, I've sinned. I've sinned and I, I I I grieve over it, but it doesn't stop there because verse twenty he arose and came to his father. And that's the heart of repentance. He came to his father. He left behind his sinful life and he re- returned uh, to his father. What a welcome! Oh, we can't help not speaking about this. Oh, what a welcome he got from his father. He never expected. He thought his father's going to be angry with him. He probably thought his father's going to cut me off uh, from uh, any future blessing. And he is going to make me as one of his side servants. But what a blessing he got in return. A gracious response. The father saw him coming, ran out to meet him, threw his arms around him, was so glad and happy to see his son come back. That's how God is, friends, when we return to him. Are you afraid to go back to God? Go back and repentance and confession of sin, admitting uh, everything, admitting your sins, admitting that you 're not worthy, he will as it were run out to meet you and welcome you and embrace you with his love. Well friends, the, uh, the repentance is so uh, vital, and it 's so vital that these three points are mentioned because even today there are preachers. Well, they only just limit repentance to just one aspect. All they say is, just change your mind about Jesus. Just change your mind about Jesus. That's enough. No, it's not enough. Because many people change their minds about Jesus, but still hold on to their sins. And others will tell you, well, you can receive Christ now as Savior, and then in a future date, you can receive him as the Lord of your life. Wrong again, friends. Wrong again. Not biblical. That's not the way it is scripturally. When we come to Him in repentance, we receive Him as Savior and as Lord. But uh, time is uh, really moving on. So, very quickly, let me just uh, talk about uh, faith. Faith. Uh, Faith also, you can think of it in three parts also. Saving faith. There are different kinds of faith, there's a temporal faith which just lasts for a, a period of time. is not true faith. There's a historical faith we could talk about, but we don't want to go into all those things just to focus and to give you what is the, the true. As, as long as you know what the true one is, you'll be able to distinguish what the counterfeit ones are. So saving faith, friends, try and remember this, these things, it has three elements to it. Firstly, knowledge. There must be knowledge. There must be the person who is coming to faith in Christ, he must know certain facts, and especially facts about God, and especially facts about Jesus Christ. He must know who Christ is, that He is the Son of God, come from heaven, the second person of the Trinity. He must know that Christ died for sins, that He was buried, that He rose from the dead, and that He ascended up into heaven. Faith, friends, is not a blind faith. It's not a leap in the dark, as some people think it is. It, it is based on knowledge. We are, we are re- responding to things that we know. God is dealing with us in a reasonable way and bringing us to persuasion. Look, Christ has done all these things. That's why you need to believe. He's not just saying, jump, because I say jump. But then the second element is there's an uh, in saving faith is that there's an assent to those truths. There is an acknowledgement, belief in those truths. I believe in Christ. I believe He is who He says He is. I believe He has died on the cross to take away sins. I believe a persuasion that He is the only one who can save the sinner. But then thirdly and crucially, the there is what we call this appropriating Christ saving faith appropriates Christ it takes Christ for itself personally and this is so vital the sinner must personally trust in Jesus Christ to save him and to save him entirely and uh, to save him uh, uh, fully he looks to no other he only he, no, he only trusts in this one person, the Son of God, to save his his soul. You could call it receiving Christ. John 1, verse 12, As many as received him, Christ, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. So this saving faith is very much concerned with Christ. He is the object that they are thinking of. He is the object that they are focusing on. He is the object that they are depending upon. No other. They look uh, to Christ, uh, taking who He is, taking what He has done for themselves. But perhaps you're wondering, just exactly what does it mean to trust Christ? Well, it is, friends, to have that full confidence in, in Him because of who He is and because of His cross work. You believe in His redemption. You believe that He is able to save you. You've seen it. You know what He has done. And so you rely upon that with all your heart. And you lean on Him and you trust Him to do exactly as He said He will do, to save your soul, to regenerate you, to make you a new person. Perhaps so I could put it like this, with this example. If, uh, if there was a knock on my front door at home, and I opened the door and there was this, this uh, total stranger, and I'd never seen him before in my life. And he says to me quite abruptly, give me your credit card. Well, I tell him to go away, you no know, uncertain terms. That's what you do, isn't it? I don't know him from anyone else. But a few minutes later, a woman knocks on my door. Again, I open the door, and uh, same same thing happens again. Give me your credit card. And I pull out my wallet and I give her my this give her my credit card. Why? And she says, "Thank you very much," and off she goes. Why did Why did I give her and not the man? Well, I know that woman. I recognize her. I recognize her voice. I, re- I know her. It's my wife. And I can trust her with that uh, credit card. I know. I, am, I have full confidence in her by giving it to her. But I wouldn't give it to a stranger. or oh, friends. That's what you must do with your soul. When you come to see Christ, you give your soul into his hands. That's faith. You trust him. You have full confidence in him. He will save you because of who he is and what he has done. Oh, what a mark. He won't won't disappoint us. I wish I could go on. Uh, Have full confidence in Christ, uh, friends. Turn away from your sins. This is what you must do. Turn away from your sins and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and ask him and trust him to save you. As I close, just remember also, while we are consciously repenting and believing that both repentance and faith are gifts from god they're always uh, from him this then friends is conversion the first conscious exercises of the soul after it has received new life well when i examine my experience do i see these things there do i see repentance can i look back and say by god's grace i know i have repented I know I have truly trusted Christ, or may it be true for us. Let's close by singing our final hymn, 399, Jesus, the sinner's friend to thee, lost and undone, for help I flee. 399. Amen.